podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show SBK Edge Rush Week 2 of the NFL coming sharply into view. See what I did there? Sharply into view. I'll get my code. Propo in the house. He is set. Let me tell you, gang, he has spent hours and hours, maybe up to 23 hours a day, going through data, graphs, stats, numbers, algorithms, you name it. Propo is strictly business, helping us all get set for some week two action. So without further ado, let's get straight down to business. So, Propo, you apparently have a bone to pick with me. Yeah, I do. It has to be said. So I was editing the brilliant show with Shane Vereen that everyone should go check out. It is in the vault right now. Uh, but I was listening to your outro at the end. I was really thrilled with how the show went. Obviously, only the 18 pickups I had to sort out for you and all the edits. But that's actually, that's pretty good for you. That's a, that's uh, a good day at the office. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the over-under on that, yeah. that show pickup. Yeah, Exactly. It probably is around 18, to be honest with you. Uh, and then at the end, I suddenly heard you plugging Edge Rush. I was like, good. Yeah, yeah, nice. And then you went, yeah, bad week for both of us it was a bad week for both of us and I just thought (laughs) as much as I appreciate now it was a tough week for you just don't drag me down with you you know I just feel like that's a little bit uh, I was I was concentrating on the acre of the week which which you picked last week so just just to recap listeners we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna alternate it aren't we this this year so we're gonna pass the baton back and forth not necessarily every week I think if one of us is if you lose if you lose I think you pass it oh I like it yeah okay all right so if you lose if you win you're king king of the acre and you stay on all right so so Propo picked that last week so I'm going to be picking the acre this week so maybe I was fixating on that and not looking at the wider picture so you're Prop bets came in then. Is what no, saying. so it was actually all of my picks for the games that we covered ah, that were which okay. which were the best because I I covered the Ravens and the under in that game, mm-hmm. Falcons at plus five and a half as yeah. well, which I thought um, looked obviously great until the fourth quarter when the Falcons did what the Falcons do best. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, uh, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who obviously went over the receiving yards pretty much in the first quarter that I picked so yeah it was actually a decent week and obviously my Drew Lock of the Week came in ah, I see you what up in the Drew Lock of the Week ah oh, how close was I though of course just to recap I picked I backed Baker in the Baker Bowl my god I thought he was going to put I mean uh, uh, what are you going to do What speaking of bad beats we were joking about this before we came on air this was this was absolutely representative of the bad beat week I had so I didn't have a great week as we've established and by Monday, I was getting increasingly concerned about my Broncos covering <laughs> pick. So I messaged Propo at about what was it eight o'clock on WhatsApp to say, yep. "Mate, um, because we we have degenerate chat, of course, all all week long, uh, on WhatsApp." And I said, "Mate, I'm not I'm really getting a bit twitchy now." And I was hearing like more and more like the great Greg Rosenthal, friend of the show, who incidentally heading over here, as I'm sure many of you guys will know, with the around the NFL crew, they're doing a live show in Kentish Town. So uh, go uh, go get tickets for that. And I'm taking Greg to his first West Ham game, by the way, when he's over here as well. So uh, he had said it was going to be a close one. I think he might have been pretty to the score exactly. But he said, it, you know, one point game. And I was thinking, oh, no. This no, he is, said it was uh, going to be 18-17. He said every Seahawks game is going to finish 18-17 this season, yeah, which I thought yeah. was a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was panicking. But I thought, okay, you know what? Because I've had a bad week. I should probably hedge. I will hedge and I will take 
the Seahawks over 17 and a half points. Oh <laughs> so, I mean, that just sums up the week that I have. But hey, it's bounce back time. We're going to look at three games. I'm on duty for the Acker of the week. If I haven't hyped myself up enough <laughs> for that, then I don't know what I've just done. Uh, our Drew Locks of the week as well. Propos prop bets of the week. So we're going to get right down to business. Let's start with your Cincinnati Bengals propo taking on the mighty Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, as we were chatting over on FFS, our new fantasy show with the Guru Sandrini, spending a lot of time talking because every episode of FFS, we lead off with injuries, right? So the latest on the key injuries in the NFL. So that's always a very useful thing, whatever you're poisoned to, to, to listen to. And, and inevitably, we talked about the undue optimism that Jerry Jones is, is spieling right now, not putting Dak on IR and... Uh, it could be only a few weeks and maybe all is not lost for the Cowboys, but they're stuck with Cooper in the meantime. As I mentioned to Sandrini, here's a backup who is not a high profile backup, but he's been at the Cowboys since 2017. He's very comfortable in that situation. So I I wonder just how big a drop off this is, is going to be. Uh, clearly it's a drop off when you go from a player like Dak, even the, given the week one that the Cowboys had to a player like Cooper Rush. But I wonder as starters to back up fall offs go, whether this is as off a cliff as some people are projecting. Do you know what I find really interesting about this is the market is a great indicator of just how dramatic of a drop-off people are assuming this is going to be. The right. line has moved from the Bengals being two-and-a-half-point favourites to eight-point favourites wow. over the course of the week, which is absolute insanity for mm. a team to be going to Jerry World and to be eight-point favourites, no matter who's at quarterback, is yeah. absolutely insane. Obviously, there's other factors within that. The fact that the Cincinnati Bengals will be looking to bounce back after a poor performance in week one, and everyone sort of has faith in Joe Burrow to do that. And when he's angry, I think that's when you don't want to face Joe Burrow. Don't you just love the reports after the game that everyone had left the locker room and Joe Burrow's just still there, fully kitted out, hasn't even taken his pads off, just thinking about himself? Is that just like a scene out of a film? It's like, love it. Just staring yeah. into it, just reflecting. I mean, I like to think that you would be like that propo after a difficult week. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I just kind of bounced back and, 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 and took the mickey out of myself. I like to think that you, if you, in the unlikely circumstance that you have a bad week was that what you do to sit in a darkened room for hours reflecting on the pro reflecting on the uh, Darren Waller prop bet that didn't come in I'd probably just walk down the canal you know for hours and hours <laughs> you know in, in sure. with just sort of like lights of lamppost's the only thing doing that just reflecting on each bet as I kind of do each mile and just Would thinking you, about where it went wrong look up into the night sky and yeah. see like Josh Jacobs' face appear <laughs> and really <laughs> consider what, what went wrong so Okay, well, that is a that is a fascinating and an astute point that that is a massive market shift. So, uh, I guess that the uh, the sharps don't uh, necessarily, although although actually, having said that, is that is this because this is a Dallas game and the Cowboys always get undue attention anyway uh, in, in terms of gambling, in terms of volume and numbers? Is, is that is, should we bed uh, factor that into consideration a little bit, or is this just no? Look, quite clearly, they're going to regress significantly with this switch. I think it generally is the fact that they're going to aggress significantly. And I think a lot of people are expecting the Bengals to bounce back. Also, at the same time, Nat, I think what has to be factored into this is 
against the Buccaneers, the Dallas Cowboys had Dak Prescott for the majority of that game and they still looked abject. Yes, this was going up against a Todd Bowles defense that was incredibly impressive and obviously the Cowboys want to rely on the run and the one thing you can't do is run against what I think is probably the closest to a human equivalent of a wall in Akeem Hicks and Peter <laughs> Veyer. Yeah, I think that honestly that was the toughest matchup they could have gone up against. So I think that everyone is as low on the Cowboys as they can be. I've seen loads of power rankings coming out in week two, which I always think is brilliant because they yeah. are the epitome of the overreactions. They've got Cowboys like <laughs> the 25th best team in the NFL, 26th best team in the NFL. And with Cooper yeah. Rush, I think that only makes it worse. But it has to be said, I probably ended up staying up too late watching too much of that Cowboys-Bucks game. Mm. And it was really, really rough. It did kind of look like Dak Prescott was making it up as he went along. C.D. Lamb obviously only got two catches for about 22 yards, which is nowhere near good enough for someone of his level. And it's always a bit concerning when you've got Noah Brown being the most targeted player. Nothing against Noah Brown. He's a decent receiver. But when you've got someone like C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, I just don't think you should be looking to sort of utilize Noah Brown as much as they did. And in the red zone, they just looked like they didn't really know what they were doing. So I think that the key for the Bengals this week is if they can take away the run, the passing game, even if you had Dak Prescott at quarterback, looks like it's a bit of a mess without the likes of Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup to go to. Yeah, uh, Gallup limited in practice, uh, an injury scare. Tyron Smith, of course, has done his hamstring, so the the injury's stacking up for them. What about the Bengals' offensive line? That's something I want to key in on. And, and you, uh, as we know, uh, a Bengals fan, so you watch them keenly and and and, and rewatch games, uh, uh, focused and, and acute in, irrespective of the film time and and studying the film when we were watching it in real time on our Red Zone show. Incidentally, five o'clock live. On TalkSport 2 every Sunday, Christian Scotland Williamson, former Pittsburgh Steeler in the house this week. Really looking forward to working with him. Uh, so join us for that. When we were watching it uh, and all the games flying around, you were just you were chiming in and, and covering that, that Bengals game and just shaking your head at the abject performance from the offensive line. What was that down to? Is that an endemic problem? Is this going to be a recurring issue for the Bengals this year? Was it just a bad day at the office, a bad matchup? And as Shane Vereen was saying on our preview show, don't pay a huge amount of attention to week one because understandably players, a lot of players haven't played uh, since January, right? Or since, you know, December, January. Uh, so it, it takes time to get into a rhythm. What's your overall take on the Bengals weak link in week one, the offensive line? So obviously that 5 p.m. show, everything's going on, producing it, sort of covering that game. There's a lot going on. And on the eye, when I was immediately watching it, it looked like the offensive line was a serious problem. It looked like Joe Burrow had very, very minimal time to throw the ball or actually make any completions or to go through his progressions. And that was the main issue. I mean, there were moments where TJ Watt would literally break through before Joe Burrow's even handed the ball off to Joe Mixon. That's how bad it was looking. So at that mm. time, that was what was ringing my alarm bells. But I went and rewatched the game after the show just to see actually what the problem was. And I actually wasn't that disappointed with the offensive line. I think mm. out of... The five sacks, I only see, sorry, there's seven sacks. Only four of the sacks were really the O-line's fault. I think Joe Burrow was trying to force the issue too much. Right. I think if you look at center Ted Karras, who we got from the Patriots, I thought he was actually really impressive. PFF had him as one of the highest graded in his position last yeah. week. And the only person who I thought really, really struggled was Jonah Williams at left tackle, which is bizarre when you think about it because he's the only person with really any continuity. Everyone else on that line is new, but mm. he really, really struggled in week 
week one, he was the only person that I would kind of be concerned about because obviously you're going up against next week, Michael Parsons, who is a huge problem and he was absolutely electric against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, causing all sorts of issues for Tom Brady in that offensive line. But ultimately, Nat, my biggest issue coming away from week one, and this is this is me really sort of ringing that bell from last season again, despite the fact I know he's got us to a Super Bowl. That isn't that isn't going over my head. But I think the person that you, I come away from questioning the most is... Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor, 100%. Like, you've got a brand new offensive line and you're going up against one of the elite, elite pass rushes yeah. in the NFL. Why did the offensive line not play any preseason together before going up against Cam Hayward, TJ Watt? It makes mm. no sense. Cordell Volson is a mm. rookie left he's a rookie. guard. Yeah. yeah, he's a rookie left guard. And you throw him in there with guys he hasn't played with competitively. And then the first snap he's playing in the NFL, you shove Cam Hayward in his face, who's likely to be a <laughs> Hall of Famer. Like, what do yeah. you think is going to happen? That is just poor preparation from a coaching perspective. And I think that if you look at this game, Zach Taylor has to take quite a lot of responsibility for the loss. Mm. Joe Burrow, yes, I understand he had a bad game. That was uncharacteristic. Is one of the worst games. I think maybe his second worst game he's played in a Bengals shirt. But at the same time, I don't understand why we were going so aggressive so early on. He should have seen after that first pick that Joe Burrow was forcing the issue and told him to just go through his progressions. Burrow was missing some easy, easy, wide open looks, which is one of mm. his third looks, his third progressions. But that's not unusual considering the fact he hasn't played football, as Shane Vereen said in the preview show. He hasn't played football in eight months because of that issue he had in preseason with his appendix. Mm. He needed more coaching during that game. He needed Zach Taylor, who was a quarterback coach, to just sit him down and just say, look, the reason why you're doing, the reason why we're having these issues is because you're just, you're a little bit too hasty. You're clearly very, very, very excited to kind of be back in the position, but you're just making simple mistakes. And yes, he maybe did that for the second half because we did see a dramatic improvement. The, the damage was done. Yeah, yeah. The damage was done. So bring this, bring this to Dallas then. So another key omission uh, is J. Ron Curse, the strong safety. So he's out as well. There's rush in this Cowboys D, of course, Parsons, the, the, the front and center of that, but it's not the same level of pressure. It's not the same caliber of unit as Pittsburgh. So putting all that together, are you assuming that, yeah, they'll, they'll wreak some havoc, but it will be a much steadier ship in terms of the protection. Because you're right, PFF, and I know that PFS sometimes are maligned and, and, and don't always get it right. We shouldn't treat it as gospel. But I was surprised to see the Bengals, irrespective of that game, sitting in the top 10 in terms of units. Uh, it, it, or rather, I was surprised. It was interesting to see them in the top 10 because it's good that that isn't just a wild overreaction to, to what we saw week one. So based on what you're saying, rookie acclimatization notwithstanding, do you think this unit will be fine? Burrow should step back up to revert to type. There are, there's injury in the secondary as well. Is this going to be a comfortable win for the Bengals then? It's interesting. I think that the Bengals will win. I'm pretty confident of that from a money line perspective. I I believe the Bengals have enough to beat this Cowboys team. I think also I was uh, watching highlights of the last time Jamar Chase went up against Trayvon Diggs, which was LSU versus Bama and mm. Jamar Chase absolutely torched murdered him. him. Yeah, really? absolutely torched him. So I'm very, very excited to see that. Shout out to Jamar Chase as well. Joe Burrow went on Colin Coward's show yesterday and just said, Jamar Chase played 95 snaps. He changed position mid-game to factor in the fact that T Higgins went out with a con concussion and he was absolutely elite. Jamar Chase, what a player, what a team guy. Like, I can't 
sort of put enough praise on him. But I do think... You no, know, just they- on that, oh, you know, because yeah. one of the enduring images from week one yeah. was, was Jamar Chase on the sideline after he'd done all the hard work and, and, and the kick gets blocked by Minka. And we were talking about this with Shane on the show and Christian Watson, right? And And the reaction that he's going to get and the week that he's going to have with his teammates. It's, we talk a lot about how tough a gig it is being a kicker in the NFL, but McPherson having put up so much stock last year in, in the AFC championship run, you kind of think, oh, maybe he's, maybe he's one of the guys after all. <laughs> but you see Jamar Chase. What do you imagine will be the exchange between McPherson and Jamar Chase in the immediate aftermath of that game in the locker room? Are they going to be, hey, don't worry, uh, arm round him, it's okay, buddy. Or is it is it slightly different situation? See, I think that Evan McPherson actually gets sort of a pass this week after this week because the clear issue was the long snapper. A long snapper getting injured, and then again, I'm sorry, yeah. that is going to come back to this. It's coming back to Zach Taylor. How our long snapper, our backup long snapper, was that ill prepared to go in and do that job? Because you can see every single time Evan McPherson kicks that he doesn't have rhythm because of the fact that the snap isn't good. It yeah. is a little bit too high. It's a little bit too low. And as Mike uh, quite rightly said on the review show, that immediately loses all rhythm for the kicker. So Evan McPherson gets a pass this week. Do you know what will always come back to bite him though in bad weeks mm. is the fact that he stayed out for the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, is yeah, always, yeah. always going to come back. Every time uh, he misses a kick, it's going to be clipped together with him just nodding his head. I think I, I think, I think I would have done it with that, yeah. with that lineup. I think I'd have been there. Darren Simmons, incidentally, the Bengals special teams coach, gives Zach Taylor a break here. Come on, he's got left tenants that's supposed to be taking care of business. All right. So you think it'll be a, a Bengals win, hot take, but you don't think it's necessarily they're going to cover because it is a, it's a big old chunk to cover. The total uh, is what, uh, sorry, the, um, uh, the over-under is what? 41.5, right? 41.5. Yeah, exactly. And I think mm. I'm seeing on certain, uh, so on SBK, the Dallas Cowboys are currently getting eight points as well, which mm. is insane. And the over-under is at 41 and a half. As you can imagine, the number has come significantly down since the Dak Prescott news came out. It's interesting though, because that number was about 43 and a half a couple of days ago. There's a lot of line movement this week now. Mm. I won't lie. It's been very interesting to watch all of these market moving because I've never seen so many points going in different directions. Washington versus Detroit, the over-under has gone up from 45 and a half to 49 and a half. And that was almost overnight. That is a crazy move. Usually you see it by a point either side. But I think that's a representation of just how dramatic of a week one it was and how polarizing it was that the, even the bookies are a little bit rattled by it, which is a good sign for us as the punters. But yeah, the over-unders at 41 and a half. I don't think there's a way that you can back the over in this one because the Cincinnati Bengals defense did look really, really good against the Steelers. Yes, that is the Steelers with an abject offensive line and Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. But I don't think necessarily you can say much more about this Dallas Cowboys team because they actually have worse weapons and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. This game, I guess or, the lead, yeah. the lead on the run, as you suggested, right? And I, so I could see that going off. Just, just for what it's worth, Cooper Rush's stats in the games that he's played. So he's appeared in eleven games. He's only started one, which was last year against the Vikings when they won twenty to sixteen. All the other games, he's come in as a backup. And, and bear in mind that's typically they're going to be kind of junk time. Chuck him in. Thirty-eight of sixty-three. 488 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. His passer rating, 93.9. So yeah, that's where Cooper Rush is at. But the the most important 
point of all, I think, was the one we made at the top with regards to Cooper Rush. It's been Prescott's backup for five years. He knows this offense well. I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility that they get some kind of game going, put up 14, maybe 16. So if you feel the Bengals, given the injuries that, that the the Cowboys have uh, and the what's the T Higgins status? Is he, is it concussion? So yeah, it's concussion. So it will be a pretty game time decision at this point. I mean, I don't think it's outside the realms of possibility that, that the Bengals put up 28 on this, on this Cowboys D and, and the overs on, but you, you're not liking it at all. I just don't necessarily know. I think people always assume that Cincinnati Bengals are kind of this explosive offense and they always put up a lot of points. Mm. It tends to kind of very much change week on week. And actually the Cincinnati Bengals, totals went under more often than not last season. So that seems to be like a, an aspect where the public money always goes on the overs with Cincinnati Bengals because it's Joe Burrow, because it's Jamar Chase and this incredible passing offense when usually actually the Bengals keep it quite close and the games can be quite tight as we saw with my Julock of the week against the Steelers last week. So do you know what? I think when it was 43 and a half, I was very much sort of focused on the under but now it's gone down to 41 and a half I'm almost mm. kind of tempted that the value might have flipped and has gone now on the over because you're right mm. I think the Bengals can put up at least sort of 28 points sort of 24 points kind of that area against the Cowboys but as you've said Cooper Rush is a serviceable quarterback and I think that they might be able to run on the Bengals that was the issue last week for them mm. is they couldn't run on the Bucks, and I think they'll be able to lean on the run game they'll make it very mm. simple for Cooper Rush exactly. he won't be trying to force the issue and that might actually lend his hand like they barely went to Pollard in the passing game last week mm. which I couldn't understand they barely went to Zeke in the passing game which I couldn't really understand so with Cooper Rush they might actually go towards that my only fear for Cooper Rush is this is probably the worst offensive line he's played behind since he sort of started <laughs> for the Cowboys and I think that might be interesting for him if Trey Hendrickson gets going. Okay. Uh, I'm leaning over on that, I've got to say. Uh, 41 and a half, I'm leaning over. Not strong, not strong lean. I'm kind of, you know, four, four pints in. <laughs> We're not getting to the eight pints that the Sambuca's out. It's not kind of, it's not that level, but it's kind of, yeah, four pints in. I honestly probably will go with you. I think this is Nat Coombs mm. bounce back week. I'm yes. going to go with you. This is an instinctive decision just on the off the cuff right now. But yeah, I see this game being about sort of 24-21 or 26-21. And I think uh, that means it's going over. Okay, love that. Next up, Prop O. Those Vegas Raiders, one of my sneaky fave teams in the AFC playoff race, of course, as we've established a few times now, all 16 teams have <laughs> shot at the at the playoffs in the AFC. A difficult start for them, defeat to the LA Chargers. And it's a game, incidentally, that we were a bit remiss. And this is a fair point that uh, we were sent a message on Twitter, at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, still no TikTok. Uh, although watch this space propo. Was what I'm going to say there. Uh, Rob Sprague. Rob is uh, a longtime listener of the show. I know this because I recognize the name from the social uh, messages that he sends us on social. And he made the point that we didn't um, didn't get into the charges uh, on our Monday show. We can't cover it all. Uh, we can't cover everything. 
And we didn't really spend a lot of time on that game. And that's going to happen. We're going to try and mix it up and and vary what we talk about. And uh, In fairness to us, Nat, we also have absolutely zero control about what Mike talks about. This is a very fair point. <laughs> I mean, if you saw the running order that is prepared and then you see the final, well, you will hear the final, the final show that goes out. It, bear, it bears very little correlation, yeah. to, to be absolutely fair. We've got to try and get a lot in in you know, 50 minutes and change or whatever it is. So we will, it's a fair point, but just as a general point as well, we're not always going to be able to get to every single game on the review show or on the preview shows as well. But over the course of the season, we're looking to balance it out and very much with Edge Rush, with FFS as well. Even if you're not playing fantasy of any shape or form, there's a lot of football chat on that show. Uh, the preview show and the review show combined, the different guests, the different voices we have on. So Phoebe Schechter's rocking up next week. The brilliant Phoebe Schechter, shout out to her and a fine performance over on Sky Sports uh, last week. So yeah, we will aim to, to remedy that, uh, Rob, but I appreciate the message. Um, so Raiders, difficult opening game for them for all kinds of reasons. The Cardinals even more so. This is the Trayvon Mullen revenge game, of course, the of revenge course. bot. Uh, Not Charna Jones. Not sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm always going to go Trayvon Mullen over everyone. Yeah. Um, the issue, if we're talking offensive lines, it's an offensive line special. The big concern for the Raiders, of course, going into the season was, is their offensive line. They used a seven-man rotation against the Chargers. Four players shared time at right tackle and right guard. Jermaine Illuminor, of course, Britain, one of the Brit, uh, the Great Brits playing in the NFL. He got a, a decent report card. Uh, didn't seem to be the, the issue there on that side of, of the line. But nevertheless, this is obviously a problem. When you're looking at a seven-man rotation, number of players who are graded pretty low by the likes of PFF, this is going to be the problem again and again and again for the Raiders this season, irrespective of all the abundance of talent they have elsewhere. So can the Cardinals exploit that? That's the the key to this game in my mind. If the Cardinals can put Carr under pressure, he's an altogether different prospect and they have uh, a puncher's chance. If they can't get to Carr, I think this is the Raiders, all, all the issues the Cardinals have offensively, it's the Raiders all the way. So it's interesting because I think that the biggest issue I saw for the Cardinals in week one was the fact that Vance Joseph was blitzing so much on Patrick Mahomes and he's always been sort of a blitz heavy defensive coordinator. Yeah. The problem is that's a very, very different entity when you have a massive Chandler Jones hole in that defense. I think the fact that they're missing him was really apparent against the Chiefs and I think that their pass rush has got significantly worse as a result. Mm. I think Marcus Golden is a serviceable player but he's not going to cause the issues that Chandler Jones did. I think Chandler Jones got 38% of their sacks last season and if you're taking away 38 percent of sacks that's going to cause a lot of problems and if so as a result of that I expect Derek Carr to have a lot of time in this game I don't think that the Cardinals are going to be able to cause the issues that they were able to last season in the pass rush and I genuinely generally think this Cardinals defense looks in a lot of trouble I think mm. as much as the Chiefs were excellent last season sorry, last week. I just think that the Cardinals defense looks set up to fail. You can't rely on JJ Watt to be there week in, week out. The guy is not in that stage of his career when you're rel- you can rely on him just because of the injuries he's already had. So I think that's scary. I think the secondary is completely over-reliant on Buddha Baker. Yes, he's one of the best safeties in the game, but when you've got such a lack of talent surrounding him, there's only so much he can do. And I think we saw that last week against the Chiefs. And I think that Derek Carr is going to be able to tee off. 
I really mm. do think he will be able to. I think that they're, they're going to be able to score a lot of points against this Cardinals defense. And I think it's going to become one of the narratives of this season that the Cardinals defensively are a serious, serious concern. So with that being said, I don't necessarily think the Cardinals have as many issues on offense as people are suggesting. I think, yes, Calamari, people are kind of coming up with that, that idea that if you keep him in the pocket, what's he actually able to do? But, that's a lot easier said than done. I don't think it's necessarily going to be that easy to keep him in the pocket. And when he's going to have mm. Crosby and Jones chasing him mm. this week, I think he'll find a way out and I think he'll be able to create plays. I honestly think that they have a lot of speed if they manage to get Rondell Moore back this week. Yeah, so he's questionable. Zach Ertz is, is questionable. Um, if you look further down the depth chart, and they've got a lot of injury issues offensively, right? Andy Isabella, um, Antoine Wesley, one of their uh, one of their receiving core, is on IR. Uh, but Ertz, of course, and Rondell Moore are the keys to, to look at that. I'd be I'd be worried if either, and certainly if both were were, were playing here. I, I, I agree for sure. This idea that their offense is going to fall off a cliff it, it is stretching it, but it is a big big problem if they're missing one or both of those the line is what five and a half the Raiders are favored again this is another line that has moved dramatically the line has moved from three and a half point favorites when it opened on Monday to five and a half point favorites for the Raiders at home in this one the over under is at 51 and a half. It's a fascinating one, as you said. I think the Cardinals, their offense, their biggest issue with the offense is the fact that they seem to be te- like have no run game. They don't seem to be able to get anything going with James Conner unless mm. it's in the red zone. That scares me. But if they have Rondell Moore, if they have Zach Ertz, if they have Marquise Brown, if they have Greg Dorch, you've got to give get up to Greg Dorch. Most receptions, most targets, most go yards. Dorch. <laughs> Greg Dorch, got to go for Dorch. He proved he was an NFL starter in this league last week. Yes, they were most in garbage time, but he is a rapid player, had a great preseason. So if you have him, Rondell Moore, and Marquise Brown, if Cliff Kingsbury can get creative, I think that is actually quite an exciting offense with Kyler Murray there as well. So I, I think there's going to be points in this game now. I think this mm. is going to turn into a little bit of a shootout. I yeah. think that you can take advantage of this Raiders secondary. Yeah. And I think Kyler Murray will be able to throw deep. He'll be able to use He'll sling him some big, yeah, I, I agree. He'll be able to sling it. So I, I, I like the over personally in this one. Yeah, over me too. One and a half. hundred percent. It was on my shortlist for my Drew Lock of the Week, the over here. Um, I've gone in a different direction in the end, but I'd say this was in my, my top three uh, picks of the week. So uh, yeah, in, in complete agreement with this, I think it's the over. I mean, I was I was mm, flirting with the team total for the Raiders, but as you said, the line has gone, the line has changed dramatically. So too has that. So that's pushing 30. Is, even, is, is, is it at 30 now? 30? 29.5 yeah 29.5 is what I'm seeing at the moment so yeah I, I'd rather I'd feel safer with the, the total over as opposed to just back in the Raiders but you might want to double down because I think the Raiders will bounce back here I think they're going to have a big game but I think you're right we're going to see some explosive plays from Kyler at, to level things up the five and a half is interesting I, I think I would have taken them at the start of the week at three and a half even yeah, though it's same. over over that magic uh, Magic three number. I think we're going to take it five and a half. I'm not so sure, but again, I'm, I'm big on the Raiders this week, so I might I might play around with that. It'd be interesting to see whether do you think the line will change much more now, or will that will be locked. Let at me five just and a half? see where the money is going. Yeah. So the, interestingly, the the tickets and the cash on the spread are still predominantly coming on on the Raiders. So you would argue that that would move out to six, but at the same yeah. time, there's a lot of money line money coming in for Arizona, mm. which is interesting, which I guess is people just taking the value there because there yeah. probably is value at the end of the day. It's this is still an Arizona Cardinals yeah. team. Yeah. 
he with Kyler Murray at quarterback. So I don't think you should completely bow out on them. But yeah, serious concern for the defense. In terms of the Raiders, Nat, do you, mm. after watching that game against the Chargers, do you now believe that they are the third or fourth best team in this division? Or do you think that they're still going to be contending with the likes of the Chargers and the Chiefs this season? Yeah, I so I haven't watched the full game take back. So I've only watched what we were watching on Red Zone and then yeah. extended highlights, right? So I, I need to probably see a bit more of them before I answer that. I I have always felt that we talked about it on, on the show and we talked about it a fair bit in, in preseason, didn't we? I've always felt that this idea that they were in many people's estimations, demonstrably adrift from the other three. And it was, it's going to be one of the other three to win it or to get a playoff spot. And the Raiders seem to be fourth in most people's or many people's power rankings. I, I thought that was erroneous. And I, I, I think Russell Wilson will, will bounce back. And I think it's interesting what Sandrini was saying on FFS about Wilson and how little he ran in that opening weekend. And that is a trend, of course, with him and whether that will continue and he'll ostensibly become a pocket passer. Now, I'm not sure whether that is necessarily the case in the sense of designer, I'm sure, but he is one of those freewheeling improvisational mavericks that, that can keep things alive. So I think that's a slightly, um, I don't think we should overemphasize the significance of that per se, but I think he'll bounce back. They'll be fine, the Broncos. So I think, it, as I expected at the start of the season, this is a division that could see three playoff teams coming from it. The, the issue is always that they're going to cancel each other out. The Chiefs, based on week one, were extraordinary, but I, they, as you know, are my Super Bowl pick in the AFC. So uh, that, that doesn't surprise me. I want to wait and see. I'm, I'm still confident the Raiders will be close to 10 and 7 and there for a wild card berth. But I want to I want to see how the next few weeks shape out. And this is going to be instrumental because you start to go 0 and 2 uh, and, and then things get a lot trickier, even in a, a 17 game season. Colts Jags is our third. One more quick question for you. Go for it. One more quick question for you, because this is a narrative that I've been seeing a lot with all the wide receiver changes over this offseason. Mm. And it's become even more apparent now after Mahomes' performance without Tyreek Hill is this idea that when you have a number one receiver, a mm. star receiver, mm. you sometimes end up forcing the issue to try mm -hmm. and get them their feed. And I think we saw that slightly with Derek Carr last week at Devontae Adams. Yes, Devontae Adams had a huge game, an incredible performance, but it did look like at moments Derek Carr was thinking, I've got to get the ball to Devontae Adams. I've got to get mm. the ball to Devontae Adams. And that ended up causing him more problems. And that's why he sort of looked like sort of a struggling quarterback near the end of that game and threw some interceptions. Mm. Do you think there is an argument to suggest that Devontae Adams or having a receiver that explosive and sort of that demanding could actually be detrimental to an offense that already has the likes of Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And I think one that you can apply to, to a lot of sports, really, when you have that situation where there are there's certain players that are so significant and that can disrupt and affect the overall team cohesion. It's a version of that, isn't it? Ronaldo, Man United. Yeah, Ibrahimovic, yeah. Sweden. Uh, Ibrahimovic, any team ever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, we touched on it on FFS and the... Uh, increase in targets individually that, that players are having. And Sandrini made the point and, and obviously that um, development year on year on year into more and more and more of a, of a pass happy league. And I mentioned this piece on the athletic and within that piece, and it's worth reading it and looking into the data and the numbers, they quote Aaron Schatz from football outsiders who was looking at the stats here. So in week one, this season, 
10 different wide receivers had at least a dozen targets, right? So just 10 different wide receivers had at least a dozen targets. Three had 15 or more, right? Adams being one of them, right? Uh, I think Adams had more than 15 uh, or 15 or more. Compared to last season, when Shat says a given week featured an average of 7.6 players with at least 12 targets and 1.3 with 15 plus targets. Those averages are even lower if you don't include tight ends and, and running backs. So there seems to be a shift generally for, I mean, it, it's logical if if there is more passing happening that the number one receiver is going to see more looks typically in a game. But there seems to be more and more of a shift of, of that happening. And that one of the main uh, positions of the piece is that receivers, that the elite receivers are now becoming the equivalent of the workhorse backs of, you know, 10, 15 years ago in the NFL, right? When you had the, the Sean Alexander's of this world that would just be burnt into the ground because they saw so much attention. This was, of course, a version of Debo's concerns when he's had his contract negotiations. So I, it, it's interesting. It's probably true that an, a focus when you've got an elite receiver can create disharmony and a lack of cohesion and fluency because you're forcing the issue there. But then the, I guess the flip side is look at how a player, I know I always go to the Diggs-Allen example, but how an elite receiver can actually free up the pressure on that offense because of everything they're bringing and the, the liberation with that quarterback that he's got an, an, a, a, an absolute lock outlet. And then they're able to develop in so many other ways around. So it, it doesn't become the, even if he's maybe the focal point or the, or the standout of that offense, he's not, um, it's not myopic. So yeah, it's a really interesting point, Propo. And uh, and I wonder how that will play out. F, uh, on FFS, Sandrini was down on Renfro for that very reason, right? Hunter Renfro, he thought was going to have a big week and he didn't really get much action because of that. But um, it really, really interesting to see how the Raiders offense develops and whether it is mm. to Adams obsessed or not. Hey, let's talk Colts Jags. Uh, some stats straight off the bat that were interesting when I look back at week one. Total yardage, Colts versus Texans. What would you say? Oh, so what the Colts probably had 550 yards. Ooh, good guess. 517. 517. And the Texans, 317. 299. So that's pretty bang on the money proper. <laughs> yeah. that's why we pay you the big bucks. I was... Um, Surprised that there was that much of a discrepancy. Obviously, the, the Colts of Jonathan Taylor filled his boots, Pittman went off, but I was surprised at that. And as we uh, have touched on earlier in the week, everything's going to be fine, I think, with this Colts offense and in particular with Matt Ryan. You know, they had drop passes, there was a missed field goal. Everybody just calm it down a little bit. I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be fine. What did you make of the Jags week one? So, well, I thought the Jags actually were very impressive. They were kind of exactly what I thought they were going to be, which was an improved passing game, an improved offensive line, a rubbish secondary, (laughs) (laughs) and a decent defensive front. I thought Trayvon Walker was incredible. That interception that he got was sensational, and he looks like an absolute stud who will be a very, very important part of this defense for a long time alongside Josh Allen. And I thought Trevor Lawrence looked decent. Obviously, he had that terrible, terrible interception. But at the same time, he's still a second-year quarterback. He's still going to make mistakes. But only one interception is a is an improvement for Trevor Lawrence, undoubtedly. Yeah. So, and uh, Christian Kirknett, the person yeah. who's been up all season, he looked really, really impressive. He looked yeah. over 100 yards for him. Zay Jones had a big week with 63 yards, I think it was. So this passing game is getting going. 
Evan Ingram looks like he will be an important part of this offense as well as Sandrini said on FFS. And I think that you look at it and considering there's so many new faces on this team, considering that it's basically a completely new wide receiver room, considering there's a lot of change on that offensive line to mm. put in the performance against a strong defense and the Washington uh, commanders the way that they did, I think is a good sign. I don't think they're obviously going to be a playoff team. I don't think they'll make your 16 team AFC playoffs. <laughs> I think they'll be one of the only teams to drop out. Yeah. But at the same time, they're not going to be one of the sort of the beating boys of the league as they have been for previous seasons. I think they're going to be competitive in most games and I think they're going to cause some upsets and I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a much better year. I'm just picturing Propo, Shaq Griffin listening to Edge Rush as I'm sure he does each and every week on his way to the game. Right now, shout out to you, Shaq, and hearing you saying, you know, there's a lot to like about the Jags. The offensive line looked better. The offense is rubbish. <laughs> he gets to the, the secretary is rubbish. <laughs> Shaq's face just, just dropping. <laughs> Poor, poor Jag secondary. All right, uh, what's the what's the line saying here? So all this is a this is a classic sharps versus uh, Joe's game. This one, yeah, it really is because all of the tickets are on the Colts, yeah. but that money is flooding in <laughs> on the Jags, and which is why I'm on the Colts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the money, the line opened at four and a half, and it's been bet down to three and a half by those pros. It looks like. Jacksonville notoriously do well at home against the Indianapolis Colts. And I think that that's what everyone is kind of going off here. And also the fact that it is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the public are still probably associating them with abject performances. Mm. And I think if you look at what happened last week, they're not necessarily going to be beaten as easily. And also the Colts, as you said, they completely dominated the Houston Texans, obviously couldn't get the win because of that missed field goal. But at the same time, people still are very, very high on this team. So this is a classic one where the Sharps will be looking to get the value that will be coming in from the public excessively overrating the Colts going into this matchup. But now it's down to three and a half. That will even out. You will see yeah. that kind of balance. It was just because that four and a half number for Jacksonville at home against the Colts, a little bit too inflated. Now it's come down to three and a half. Everything will even out a bit. I'm quite interested in the total here. So I'm seeing it at 45. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. The total is at 45 and a half. Ooh, okay. Well, there you go. So it's gone up since I last saw it. I mean, that is that is my play in this game, I think. Uh, I think it's the over. Um, I'd probably take it. I, I mean, 45 I was, I was interested in. 46, I think I probably would. I think I would take it as well. Um, I, agree. I just uh, you You with me on this? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on this. I think that, as I said, the, the, the big issues for both teams is probably the secondary at this point. Right. I think the Colts secondary looked a little bit suspect against Davis Mills last week. And I think you're going to see Trevor Lawrence. This is kind of, this is the game that the Jacksonville Jaguars would have had sort of marked on their card going into the season. Mm. This is the one where they really show the league what they're about. They're going into a divisional game, the favourites for the division, they're at home in front of their crowd. This is really an opportunity for the team to demonstrate what they can do this season. So I think they'll be really, really up for it. So I actually like the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game as well at plus four. And I got them at plus four and a half. Now it's a plus three and a half. I'm probably not going to touch it again. I definitely won't re-bet it. I've got it at four and a half and I like it at that number. But I still think the Colts are going to win this. I think the Colts are going to put up points. I think Matt Ryan's going to put on a show. This mm. is an opportunity to show what he can do in this Colts offense. We've been hearing it all off season, just how well it's working. And I think there's been a lot of criticism for Frank Reich and his play calling in the red zone last week. But we know Frank Reich's a great play caller. We know that he'll be able to bounce back in the exact same way you're going to bounce back after a bad week. One. Love it. So, love it. Love yeah. that. 
Brilliant. All right. Well, speaking of which, let's do, well, actually, before we do our Acker and our Drew Lock, but incidentally, I like the Colts too very heavily on that, but the over is the play I'm going to make there. Acker of the week I've got, uh, we've got our Drew Locks. We'll wrap on the Drew Locks of the week. So let's do your prop, oh, prop bets of the weekend. Yeah, I've got three touchdown scorer bets this week. Cortland Sutton to score a touchdown for the Denver Broncos against the Houston Texans. I think Russell Wilson has shown both in camp and in the first game that when he's under pressure or has to have a completion, he goes to Cortland Sutton and this spells well for a favorable matchup against the Texans. Sutton had seven targets in week one and I think this will even go up this week. The Broncos were abject in the red zone running the ball, so I expect to shift to putting the ball in Russ's hands. And when you let Russ cook, Nat, Wait for this. When you let Russ cook, mm-hmm. Sutton will sizzle. Ooh, nice. T-shirt. A bit of sautéed Sutton for you there. Love that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of sautéed Sutton. <laughs> Love that. So that's my first one. My second one is Alan Robinson. And this is a callback to previous shows because you know I always say that. Buy low, sell high. And you're you definitely do. buying low with Alan Robinson. He only caught two passes in week. Actually, he caught one pass on yeah, two, targets two targets in week one, yeah, against the Bills. But that's why I love him this week. AJ Terrell, who is a very, very good cornerback for the Falcons, will be totally focused on Cooper Cup. And outside of Terrell, they mm. don't really have much talent there. So that gives Alan Robinson a good matchup against the Falcons. And I like him to take advantage of it, especially in the red zone. And then my last one is probably one of the unsung heroes of week one, which is Antonio Gibson to score a touchdown for the Washington Commanders. Nice. He was used excessively in the passing game by Carson Wentz tied his career high in catches with seven and it showed that he is going to be someone they look to constantly in this offense whether it's running the ball or with the ball in the passing game so I love the matchup for him as well he's going against the Lions in week two who are a team that allow the Eagles to rush for four touchdowns in week one so I expect Mm -hmm. Antonio Gibson to feast in this one Love that. All right. Those are proposed prop bets of the week. Time for the Acker of the week now. This is a three-team money line treble. Oh, I'm excited a, would, for this. Would be a treble with Such a relief. Teams, Such a relief that I'd have to do this. You've handed, handed the baton on to me, but as Propo said, uh, it's a bounce-back week. If I am similarly to Propo, remember, of course, listeners, Propo's wandering along the canal, <laughs> looking at, into the night sky. I am I'm doing the same kind of... I've been doing the same kind of reflection kind of straight put on the Rocky four soundtrack got on got on the peloton let's get let's forget it I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rue what happened week one I'm gonna get down to business so you, I find you, you're probably quite a relaxed gambler aren't you I imagine you losing like a big acker and just being like slightly falling asleep on the sofa like a bag of what's it on your yeah. chest <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly I just I've always been uh, I've always been well actually no I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, gonna, I'm not gonna say that right acker of the week Let's start with the straightforward ones. <laughs> he says, famous last words. <laughs> the Bengals over the Cowboys. Yeah, We've yeah, covered that game. I like that. Straight up, the Bengals. Cooper, Cooper, I love you. I think you're not getting enough respect, but uh, I'm liking the Bengals to, to bounce back. Speaking of bounce backs, the Rams over the Falcons. Yeah. Again, Mariota, a lot to like about that offense. A lot to like. Watchable team, really watchable team. But the Rams flex. So... To put this at just over evens, third team of the three-team Acker, I'm taking at home the Browns over the Jets. Now, if Mike White was starting for the Jets, yeah, I might change it a bit. But with Flacco, 
I'm not buying it. I think the Browns will run them into the ground as they did against Carolina. Ground, ground, ground. Keep it simple. Defense flexes against Flacco. Ollie's smirking because he doesn't like it. I don't care. I'm going Browns over Jets. My three team backers, the Browns, the Rams, and the Bengals. What do you say? You don't like the you don't like the Browns? No, yet, I don't. I to be honest with you, I do like I like the Browns. I think they should win that game, but it's just one of those games. Just betting on Browns Jets, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> just like, it was just sounding like I, I feel like that's just, <laughs> like, just the, the, saying those words. Yeah, I'm going to bet on Browns Jets. Just like who the hell knows it's what tough, happens it's, with those two teams? With those two teams, but then I think that's true. But it, look at the other games, right? The so Panthers Giants. I mean, same, yeah, same thing there. Yeah, it's true. The Dolphins Ravens. I mean, the Dolphins. Are getting three and a half points. We're talking about money line straight up. The Ravens, are you confident the Ravens are going to be No, you know, it's true. I mean, I, I would say that I'm probably... I No, the Browns I am more confident with than most teams. Patriots Steelers is another one. It's like, oh, what, yeah, who I mean, knows? Who where knows the hell is that going to go? Bucks Saints? Yeah. I mean, that yeah, is... No, it's, no, no, you're right. It is a tough week. It is a tough week. Washington, Detroit. Uh, there's so many tight games here. There are so many tight games. It's going to be a really entertaining week, actually, as you say, yeah. as you go through those games. No, I like it, but it's just funny because it just feels always bizarre when you're kind of relying on a Jacoby Brissett <laughs> led Browns team. Yeah, you just always yeah. kind of thinking to yourself, really, like, is this what it's come to? Because there's moments there could be, that's the kind the exact kind of game where you're sitting on a Sunday and the Browns could be 20 nil up and you can be sitting there so pretty, just feeling yeah. so good about yourself, being like, I yeah. knew this was going to happen. And then suddenly you could be getting there in the middle of the second quarter and Jacoby Brissett's throwing his third interception and the Jets defense is oh, balling. Oh, Salah's going yeah. crazy yeah. on the sidelines. You've heard that Salah's got as keeping all of the receipts of people who are underrating the Jets after week one. He's come out and been quoted saying, I'm keeping the receipts on this. Oh, <laughs> he's um, just got loads of he's just got loads of people uh replying just being like, Yeah, you can print me a ticket, print me a ticket, print me a ticket because oh. obviously everyone's out on the Jets. Amazing. I love it. That is um, that is Gino-esque, I think, from Salah there. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if the Jets win that by double. By double. <laughs> That's the confidence I have, listeners, in that. In that. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm I, going with that. I'm marking my card on that one. My first act of the week. There we go. Right. Drew Lock of the week. You're 1-0 up in the Drew Lock uh, competition. Incidentally, Propo, if, the Drew, if, I, if I do have a difficult week again and we start to get to I start to go to 0-3 0-4 much like the teams that we follow in the league that is maybe when I'm going to get Coco and Pebbles out of the bullpen and just you know, yeah. they're going to start they're going to start picking my Drew Lock of the week but at the moment I'm still they're still I mean and for listeners not familiar with what the hell I'm talking about Coco and Pebbles two new additions to my house uh, they're kind of a year old now um got them in free agency got them in for pick them up we picked them <laughs> yeah. up free agency very interested in the NFL uh not a great attention span I think, it's, I think it's fair to say, uh, particularly Coco. So we'll 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 tend to we'll tend to wander literally wander off uh, after after some focused attention for a little bit. So I'm not wholly convinced that they're ready for ready for the picks yet. But but maybe by week five I'm going to need them, frankly. So uh, you go first. You're one up. You can you can go first. So I am sticking very much to the same formula that I had last week. It was a nervy one last week with the Steelers Bengals under, but it did. We did get there in the end eventually. But yeah, it was it was a very nervy one, especially after that pick six within sort of three minutes. You're not really expecting that when you've been under in a game. So I'm going with another under. I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints under 44 and a half. As you said on FFS with James, pretty much the whole of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is on uh, the injury report. And I think it looks unlikely that Chris Godwin's going to play 
and it looks like the offensive line is a little bit banged up as well and I think with all that considered and the way the New Orleans Saints have notoriously played the Tampa Buccaneers they are going to play very hard very fast defense and they're going to try and cause a lot of problems for Tom Brady get in his face and I think that means that the Tampa Bay will rely on the run they'll go to a lot of check downs they'll rely on Leonard Fournette and this game will be slow they'll chew a lot of clock and it'll be mm. a grinding out game and I think on the exact same side of it yes we saw an explosive Jameis Winston against the Atlanta Falcons but that was because he had to be explosive because he was going up against a team that had taken a 16 point lead in the third quarter so I mean Jameis Winston literally came out after the game and said they ripped up the plan for the game because at that point they just had to go out there and make plays with their playmakers I'm not sure what that says about the mm. coaching staff I'm not sure the coaching staff would appreciate that quote <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, thanks, it James. is probably yeah, it is probably what happened. Whereas I expect them to keep this game close and stick to the script in this one. I think people are overreacting to how big of a total it was against the Falcons mm. last week. And I think that they will rely on Alvin Kamara. I think they'll rely on the run game. And I think they'll check the ball down as well. So I think considering all the things considered that 44 and a half is a little bit too high, but I think the public money will definitely be coming in on the over because it's Tom Brady going up against Jameis Winston and everyone associates both quarterbacks with a lot of points. And I mm. think we might get the opposite come Sunday. I think it's a great shout. I love it. I, I really, really, uh, I'd be lying if I said that was on my short list, but it was on my long list. It was definitely what I looked at and thought, yeah, I, I think it's it, exactly the final point, particularly it's exactly the kind of game Oh, everyone's going to pile in on the over. Although that is often the difference that you and I uh, cite between us, right? That you mm. sharp, the under is the right place, so you do it. Whereas I am more of an emotional <laughs> player, a love and over. And that's where I'm going this week. Now, I am denied on this between one of the teams in it and giving them the points as my Drew Lock of the week. But I've moved away from that in the last 24 hours to take the over. And I'm going over 50.5 in Eagles Vikings. Yeah, I knew that. As soon as I, as soon as you uh, said over, I thought it was going to be this one. So a couple of reasons for this. In all the crazy, ridiculous, in particular, I thought of you when I saw this on uh, a website I won't name when the majority of the lead NFL articles were based on uh, the shifting gambling and lines for season MVP comeback player of the year after yeah. the first week. Ridiculous. Uh, and Kirk Cousins is one of these players that is getting buzz for MVP. Now, it's that's ridiculous. But I felt, and, and I'm on record as saying, that the Vikings are going to have a good season. I think a lot of things are aligning for Minnesota. And there wasn't a huge amount of buzz and traction about them in the, in the offseason. They've been quietly getting on with it, putting together a really balanced roster, really interesting coaching change. Uh, so I'm saying all this because I think they are going to be consistently good most weeks. So even though they're going up against this Eagles defense, I think the Vikings will ball. I think they will put up points. The Vikings offense will, will put up points and I think they will find a way to get that done. Conversely, Jalen Hurts is he a strong enough quarterback to get these Eagles to the Super Bowl, which many people, of course, if you think about the teams that had the most buzz going into the season, the Eagles were, I think, amongst the most hips to pick, right? Uh, and he has demonstrated that irrespective of whether he has the chops for the deep waters of the playoffs, he's a playmaker. He will make things happen. There are so many pieces around him. And again, I think it's a solid Vikings D, but I feel the Eagles will be able to get enough done. So 50.5 in this era of the NFL, 
when we're seeing totals at 54 plus, I'm, I'm all over that. I was leaning Vikings as well with the points. They are currently getting two, seen two and a half somewhere. Like that two on the road, which is essentially is kind of giving them a slight edge, really, if you think about the home field advantage in three. But I'm taking Eagles, Vikings over 50.5 as my Drew Lock. I really like that bet. I actually hadn't really considered it. I was considering Eagles, actually. I mm. think the Eagles are being... I think the Vikings are... If you think that the Eagles were week one's sort of hyped team, I think mm. the Minnesota Vikings are week two's hyped team mm. with Justin Jefferson going in with that performance and Kirk Cousins, as you said, the odds shortening so much for him to be MVP. So I think that that's why I would be leaning towards the Eagles just with my... Uh, natural instinct to bet against the public because I think everyone is so high on the Vikings right now mm. at this point when realistically they were probably what Christian Watson catch away from being actually in trouble against a, yeah. an Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers that didn't have an offensive line or a receiving core yeah. and it wasn't actually as much of a blowout as people thought but Kirk Cousins was incredibly impressive especially under pressure which will help him in this game so I think the Eagles are going to win the battle in the trenches that's my only reason why I'd be leaning towards the Eagles but in terms mm. of points it's hard to see this game going lower than 50 and a half and I didn't yeah. even consider this bet didn't even look at it but I actually really like it now and I have to Love say it. all of the tickets and all of the cash is all on the over everyone's going on the over in this oh okay alright that gives me a bit more confidence as well yeah. um, and the fact you underpin it uh, ditto that is uh, that makes me feel a bit better about it okay hopefully I've got a bounce back week uh, hopefully Propo continues his strong start to the season uh, get involved but uh, like everything like the good stuff in life in moderation gang have fun with it but don't go too crazy all right propo uh just time for us to plug what else we've got in the vault i and mike and the monday review show that's each and every monday you mentioned shane vereen reviewing uh rather previewing a number of the key matchups this weekend he's got some really interesting insight into the patriots of course spent a long time at that organization knows belichick knows patricia knows joe judge so uh, a really really interesting insight that he's giving from first-hand experience there the guru sandrini ffs uh that is rolling as well for your fantasy stylings and of course uh edge rush and me and propo will be back next week join us sunday live on talk sport two from five o'clock propos in the house as well of course the brains of the operation christian scotland williamson as i mentioned former Steeler, uh in the house too will be across all of the week two early window games and uh sunday night football also with the brilliant will gavin late night on talk sport two so it is very much the home of the nfl as far as uk radio is concerned and uh last but by no means least, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at the NC show, but I'll still not TikTok. Yeah, but you say keep your keep your eyes peeled or whatever you usually say. Keep your ears peeled. Keep your ears. <laughs> I usually get it wrong. Uh, yeah, that is true. That is true. But I, I haven't even talked to you about it yet. Bro. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna hold that one up my sleeve. Should we have an office meeting just live on the podcast now? Should we just? Let's, just <laughs> yeah. let's do it now. I've got it. There are a few things cooking in there. A few, few things sautéing, bro, <laughs> on that front. So yeah, watch that space. TikTok could be come, could be coming. People could be coming. Uh, enjoy. Look after yourself. Let Nat cook, social will sizzle. <laughs> Our plan for TikTok is Iron Mike. Just to be, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs>